Um, today I'm going to talk about something that is uh, very foreign to me, to be honest. Very, very foreign. In fact, uh, on Friday I just received the notes from Pastor. Um, and when I saw it, uh, it's something that uh, I have never explored before, honestly. Uh, been a Christian for 10 over plus years. And this topic is something that I didn't think that it's... Um, it's not that it's not important. It is important. But uh, I've never studied in the Bible. And I've uh, never really put time to even uh, talk about this topic or study it. So today we're going to study it together. But I just want to also say that I'm not an expert in this. Uh, at the end of the day, we are in this journey together to, to learn. And of course, next week, uh, Pastor in the Combined Service will continue to expound on this topic. But today, I want to talk to you about mental health. Mental health. Everybody say mental health. So some statistics that I want to share with you guys. One in four Singaporeans felt depressed to a point that they felt sad or hopeless almost every day for a couple of weeks or more. So that's 25%. If we have 100 people here, uh, almost 25 of you will be feeling this uh, for more than two weeks in the past. And why am I sharing you, to you this is that uh, May is actually the month of Mental Health Awareness Month. And um, I just, like what I say, you know, mental health or mental awareness or emotional health is, is, is not a very talked about topic. Uh, in the church or even in, uh, in our my space of circle. And I think it's time for us to talk about it. It's not that uh, we don't want to talk about it. I think uh, it is high time for us to talk about it because the statistics show that so many people might be suffering from mental health uh, illnesses. Um, and it's time to talk about it because it is also impacting the world, right? We talk about that the church is here to support and to reach out to the world. But if the world is suffering, if 25% of Singaporeans are suffering from mental health illnesses, and if one of them comes to church, I think we need to be ready to be able to support them. That's why I think it's important to talk about it. But before that, I want to share with you a story. Uh, and it's a real story. Back in 2018, basically there was a young pastor that took over his dad's church. The dad uh, unfortunately passed away because of a heart attack. So he was, uh, you know, taking over his father's legacy, his father's uh, church. Uh, and it's a, it's a great church and all that. And you, you can look it up. It's a church in America. But basically, he was also suffering from uh, depression. And um, he actually took four months off from uh, his work as a pastor and uh, went overseas to recuperate. Uh, and uh, when he came back, he thought that, you know, he had uh, kind of recovered quote-unquote recovered. So he came back and he was preaching a series called Mental Health Awareness. And it was actually on that Saturday uh, and he was due to preach on Sunday. And on that Saturday, unfortunately, he, he uh, passed away by suicide. And uh, when I was reading his story, it kind of uh, really spoke to me because he left behind three young children and a young wife and he died at the age of 30. And uh, just looking at his story, there's a lot of similarities between his season and my season. And it helped me to understand that sometimes we're just one decision away from, you know, <laughs> mental health uh, illnesses. Or, or we're just really one decision away from doing something that is so drastic. And uh, I think it's also high time for us to talk about that. And, and I was reading through his story, and, and you can read online, and, and, and the last service that he preached before he committed suicide, that really touched me, and I'm going to touch a bit on, on that later. But that also led me to think, and I want us to think about it also, that it is, is it possible for you to be a devoted follower of Christ? Is it possible for you to attend church every Sunday? Is it possible for us to be a, a, a Christian? but yet suffer from mental illnesses. Right? Sometimes I, I think we think that uh, we are kind of in, invisible. We, we are uh, void of that, which uh, later I'll talk about. But from this story, I think the answer is clear, right? That we are all on this level playing ground. 
we, when we talk about mental illnesses, it's not anybody that will be excluded from it, right? It is not like uh, because we are Christian, we don't have mental health issues. And I think precisely this, we have to talk about it. And again, I'm not saying that I'm I'm an expert in it, but I read certain podcasts that helped me to uh, bring me a brand new perspective. And today, I want to share with you guys, if that's okay. So, like what I say, we are actually not excluded from it. And uh, we can't say that uh, mental health issues doesn't apply to us. In fact, if we say that, right, if you, 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 in the Bible, you will have to exclude a lot of people. We have to exclude uh, Elijah when he was uh, facing Jezebel and he ran away and the scripture talks about that he wanted to commit suicide. He was so depressed that he didn't want to do anything. He was actually having depression. If we want to exclude, we will have, probably have to exclude King David as well. So many of his psalms are lamentations. Oh God, save me from this. Oh God, my family is in ruins. Oh God, somebody is taking over the throne. Oh God, where are you? He inevitably was also suffering from mental health. And we, the list goes on. There will be prophets like Jeremiah. There will be prophets like, I don't know, Nehemiah that he was trying to rebuild the temple. There will be prophets like Isaiah. So prophets of old or even now, we are not excluded from it. I want to share with you a scripture. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So really, where your thought goes, your life goes. And where your heart goes, your, your life will follow. And why am I sharing you to you this is that uh, I think God cares about our insights, our mental health, more than how He cares about on our outside. And I think that's evident, right? He talked about that. We need to worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is always more concerned about our insights than our outsides. But the world, or actually for, for me, when I was reflecting on that, there are times where I think this world focuses more on the outside than the inside. We focus on things such as, uh, I don't know, girls, maybe you want to look pretty, look presentable, you know, you all go for manicure, pedicure, uh, you all go and, uh, you know, do things that will beautify yourself uh, or make you presentable. Guys, I know we go to gym, we, we want our ego to be boost, I don't know, play soccer and then score a goal and then celebrate or whatever. And then, you know, I think about myself also, like, I, I'm sometimes focusing a lot on external. Like, I find myself going into Shopee, right? and uh, looking at how to make sure that my car is polished until super kila, right? Like, like you want to, oh, wow, this is nanotech, uh, 10H uh, or 9H, uh, how do you polish your car until like super nice? Uh, what are some of the cheap, uh, you know, uh, car spa that you can use on your car? Or I think about things like uh, how to protect my house, like there will be alarms that are, um, that some of your house, you all have alarms, some of your house have smart homes, we focus a lot on uh, external. We focus a lot on protecting our external uh, self. But I think there are times where we don't really uh, protect our internal, our mind and our hearts. But what I want to let you know is that God is concerned about it. God wants to protect it. And one of the myths that we are not protecting our minds is that, like what I say, that when we receive salvation, when we receive the Holy Ghost, it almost feels like we are immune to being um, a, a victim of or being a, a void of mental health issues. What I'm saying is, it, uh, it, it, it somehow, like, you know, maybe because of the preaching in the past or because the old school thinking is you have to pray through everything. Uh, you know, you go through all of stuff, all of this stuff. Don't worry, God is gonna be there with you. And we preach that how, and we preach that, and we say that it applies to every situation. Even though I'm in depression, I can pray through it. But is it really true or not? That's my question, and I think we need to think about it for a while. So we we don't want to be in the myth that when we are saved and we receive the Holy Ghost, it somehow gives us the ability to have faith and pray through every situation, every circumstance, and every negative thought that we have. In fact, when I was researching this topic, right, and I came across a a, a podcast that says that, uh, and I almost feel like I'm a heathen when I say this, 
the podcast, the doctor say that, uh, do you know that when you deal with mental health, prayer is not the only solution? I was like, huh? Oh, prayer is not the only solution. So it means that I have other solutions to deal with mental health. And I, I was thinking, wow, God, I thought you are God. You are everything. You know, you are, you are, you are, you are as big as uh, the universe. You can just turn around every situation. What do you mean when the doctors say that the prayer is not the only solution? And when I start to explore and I start to understand that God is big, God is infinite. And therefore, He can choose, right? He can choose whether to uh, help your mental health through prayer. He can also choose whether to help your mental health through medication or through physical, educa- uh, physical training or whatever, you know. So we leave God to, to deal with how He wants to heal us on our mental health. But more than that, when I was trying to study this topic, right, and I start to understand that mental health is not just a spiritual issue. And that's why sometimes prayer is not the only solution because mental health has other aspects other than spiritual issue. You see, question is, if today my liver stops working, what do I do? I go and see a doctor. If today my heart has a, has a blood clot or, or has a clot, what do I do? I go and see a heart specialist. If today I break my leg because I play soccer, what do I do? I go to a physician or I do go to a doctor and put on a cast. But today, when we have mental health issues, what is stopping us from going to a psychiatrist? What is stopping us to go to a Christian counsellor? Isn't it the same thing? Because sometimes we think, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about that for, for later, but there are some common uh, cons, uh, misconceptions that mental health means that you are gila, that you are crazy, that you are somehow like going around like, you know, like, like some bipolar. Sometimes you want to eat laksa, sometimes you want to eat chicken rice. I, I don't know. Sometimes you, you want to throw, throw chicken rice. There's one TikTok. Uh, I saw on TikTok, like, you don't want to let people know what is your next move. And I see some, some I, I don't know, some stupid guy, like, he go to McDonald's, right? Then instead of taking the ice cream cone like that, he go and take the ice cream cone like that. So that is stupidity. That's not mental health issues. But sometimes we confuse that with mental health issues. It's, but what I'm saying is that sometimes we think that mental health is, is something that's extract. But really, mental health is just a sickness in the brain. And brain is also an organ in the body. And let's not overcomplicate things. Right? So it is not a sin to be sick from mental health. Can, can, we, can we agree on that? That today, if somebody comes to me and says that, hey, I have some mental health issues, I'm not going to say, hey, you have sin in your life. It's not. It is just a part of the body. So I think we have established the fact that it is possible to be a follower of Christ and still better with mental health. Because mental health is not just a spiritual issue. In fact, uh, when I was reading Elijah's story, the first remedy that God gave Elijah was not a spiritual remedy. He didn't ask Elijah, Elijah, you go and read your Bible. Elijah, you go and uh, pray through. Then I will save you. What did he do when Elijah was saying, God, I want to take my life? He asked him to pick himself up and go and eat a cake. Like, huh? Go eat a cake, eh? Somebody is trying to kill himself, right? Imagine uh, somebody is at the ledge of the, 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 the building. Uh. Then the firefighter said, hey, don't worry, I got cake. You come. But the, the first remedy that, that God gave to Elijah was not a spiritual remedy. It was a physical remedy. He told him to go and eat a cake and drink. And so one of the worst things that really we can tell somebody when, that, that they are, when they are battling with uh, mental health is go and read your Bible, go and pray through. Instead, I think we really need to say, have you seen a Christian counselor lately? Have you been exercising lately? Have you been getting out of your house lately? Have you been sleeping enough? In fact, even ask them, do you want to eat a cake together or not? Why not? I mean, for those health-conscious ones, maybe you can say, uh, let's go eat a salad together. But the problem is, sometimes we treat this as such a spiritual thing and we just pump it down the people's throat and say that hey, you just need to pray through. But that's not what God says. Maybe the best remedy for those that are suffering from mental health, the best remedy for them is to go out with their friends. 
or sometimes like me, go and play soccer. Really, sometimes I'm so stressed about I I don't think I have mental health, but my wife sometimes will beg to differ. But when I'm so depressed, this week was quite terrible at work. Uh, and I went to play soccer all by myself. And uh, I was just imagining all my work, right? All my bosses, right? I hope they're not seeing this live stream. Uh. I, th- I think about their faces, it's like the ball. And then I jump super hard, you know. I bah! I say, how dare you tell me to do this and do that? Then after that, I regret because I, I hit so hard, right? Then he flew out of the fence. I go and pick it up. I have to go and pick it up. Then I'm, like, I'm more angry. Then I bring it back and then I jump again. But sometimes, this is the physical remedy that we can do. And it's nothing spiritual. If I continue to pray, right? You know, I've tried. And, and the thought just keep playing in my mind. Keep playing in my mind. Wow, how can he do this to me? How can she do this to me? But when I jump, I come back. Uh, wow, I see my kids are happy. Eh. Before that, I thought that they are, they are also uh, you know, a spiritual thing. So sometimes the best thing is to, is to do something physical, is to have yourself a physical remedy. Go on a vacation. Be, go to JB, I don't know. Be in the gym. Uh, I know, sometimes uh, when I go overseas, right? I'm not advocating you all to go overseas. Huh? But, you know, in Singapore, it's so different, like the, the atmosphere. When I just step out, right? Or even I go to the beach or, or stuff like that, it just makes me feel better. What I'm saying is that a lot of the times, we think that spiritual remedy is the solution to all our problems. But let's rethink that for a while. Okay, so some misconceptions uh, about mental health is that uh, you are at the end of two spectrum. You are either healthy or mentally ill. There is no in between. Um, there are also things uh, like mental sickness is a sign of weakness. We treat mental sickness as uh, something that is weak, something that is dangerous, something that will make you go crazy. But like I, like what I say, mental health is just. Uh, uh, disorder with our brain. And brain is a very complex organ and we don't understand it. So, when we talk about mental health, it's not that we are all crazy and we don't have any spectrum. It is just how we treat diabetes, right? When we are sick with diabetes or we are sick with any chronic illness, what do you do? You go to a doctor, you, pre- your, you let your doctor prescribe some medicine for you to control the symptom. It is the same. Uh, all medication are bad. People will change their view of you if you seek help. So sometimes uh, people will have all this common misconception. And I want to try to summarize, right, when, when, when I talk about all this misconception of, of uh, people with mental health, is that I look at myself, why do I have misconception about mental health? Is I think sometimes, right, because we also have, I would say, mental experiences, right? We, we, know how, we know how to be under pressure. And we know at times that how we overcome it. And then sometimes we look at somebody that is suffering from mental health and you say, oh, I see that you are sad. I see that you are a worrier. I also have been in this position before and I overcome it. I tell you what, is, what you're going to do. A, B, C and D, then you can overcome it. And sometimes we think that we can think like them. And sometimes we think that we go through the same issues that they are going through and we give advice uh, thinking that maybe they are also in the same season or experiencing the same thing as us. But is it true or not? That's the thing. Can we practice more apathy to really realize that somebody is not having that same experience as us? So because at the end of the day, uh, sadness or being worried, it is not equal to depression. It is not. It is, depression is another clinical uh, illness that the doctors have diagnosed. And later I'll talk about the definition of depression. But like what I said, uh, sometimes we have this misconception because of uh, our mental experiences. But let's practice a bit more apathy to the people that really need it. Just like how we don't know what causes diabetes, but we can treat the symptoms. So we don't know what causes mental health to the people. But at the same time, I think we need to be equipped to be able to treat them and support them. Now, uh, some areas of mental health is anxiety. Anxiety meaning some panic attack that they might have. 
Uh, it can range from my spending uh, thousands of dollars over the night. Or it can be very small things that will trigger you to have a panic attack. Maybe things like uh, you never hand up homework. Or things like uh, deadline is uh, bring board forward and then you have a panic attack. Things uh, such as depression. And one of the podcasts that I listened to, the doctor say that depression is defined as a cloud that goes back and it goes forth and then it goes back. And one day the cloud just decided to stay at the same position over you. And then there will be waves and waves of negative emotions swarming after you and the cloud doesn't move at all. And he, he said that this is one way of describing depression. And I'm thinking, then, then I'm over-categorizing people that are sad because I've never experienced that before. How can I say that to somebody that's facing depression, hey, you just need to do A, B, C, and D, when I don't have the experience of a black cloud, cloud over me for two, three, four months? How do I empathize with them when they're suffering from that? We have uh, things such as uh, mood disorder, when you go very high and then you go very low. You have eating disorder as well. If, if you are waking up at 10 p.m. In the, in the night and cooking Maggie Mee or ordering food on Grab, that's not eating disorder. Huh? That's just greedy. Eating disorder means you really eat until you vomit or you don't want to eat at all. This is really a disorder. Or things like impulsive uh, control or addictive disorder. You have personality disorder. Sometimes laugh, sometimes cry. I don't know, like... I see, I see one uh, Korean guy called Guangsu. He's very, he very funny. He can cry and laugh at the same time. I don't know. You can go YouTube and see. But I don't think he has a personality disorder. But, you know, sometimes people have that, right? Sometimes cry and then sometimes laugh. Sometimes cry and then sometimes laugh. Bipolar disorder. So these are some areas of mental health that are present. And of course, like what I say, pastor will expound on that more next week. But when we talk about some of the symptoms, how do we really see that somebody is suffering from mental health. I think it's important. Is that uh, one of the ways that we can see is that they have behavioral shift. Meaning they stop being themselves and become extremely moody. Like one of the days, they will just be very moody for a very long period of time. Two weeks, three weeks. They want to talk to people. Just want to work. Just want to study. Just want to be in their room. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's not like a child's tantrum, you know? It's not like, I want this, I want that. It's just constantly being moody. And, and, and of course, we understand that this is not the will of God. God's will is for us to have joy and have peace. And things such as uh, constant expression of hopelessness. And you will have weeks and months of uh, negative uh, words that are coming out of their mouth. Oh, I cannot do this. This thing is too great for me to do. Just very negative. Every time you know, words of negativity will be coming out of their mouth. Point number C, lack of self-care. Uh, and suddenly the person just want to uh, be consumed with uh, not taking care of themselves. Uh, things such as uh, not taking leave. Do you know uh, in statistics, right? Now uh, we are having the highest amount of unused paid leave in the entire world. People are so overworked and they don't practice self-care until they're, they are in a position where they don't take leave, me included. And, and it almost feels like we need to earn our paid leave when it is our entitlement. And, and, and uh, symptoms of mental health is really lack of self-care, not taking care of yourself, not taking time to take care of yourself. And I think that's important, really. People say, hey, you're so selfish uh, every time you, you go out and then you take care of yourself. But without that, Without that, there will be other consequences. I think you are not selfish to take care of yourself at times. Because when you are not selfish and you take care of yourself, you become well and therefore you can take care of your family. That's why God instituted Sabbath day. Right? And sometimes we are so busy until we forgot that actually God instituted a Sabbath day in the past before. And last but not least, one of the symptoms of mental health is isolation. Isolation. One of the favorite movies that I had, uh, and I always talk about it, is this movie called the Inside Out movie, right? I think almost all have uh, read or, or, or saw the movie before. And there was one breaking point where 
where the female actresses run away from home because she wants isolation. And, and the whole emotion, uh, the four emotions started to, uh, to be pale. The, the things that, they, that she has built inside her emotions are all turning black. Why? Because she doesn't want to feel anymore. And that's isolation. So I'm trying to tell you all, all these symptoms of mental health, the behavioral shift, the lack of self-care, the isolation. Why? It's because as friends and family, a lot of the times we won't be able to identify ourselves that we are suffering from mental health. We need somebody to identify for us. The, the, the problem of our mental health is sometimes the person that is suffering from it won't know it. And they are not going to say that they suffer from it. And sometimes the onus is then for us to identify how come suddenly this friend that I have has some changes in, it, in, in the behaviour? How come suddenly this, this uh, child of mine or this spouse of mine have a change of behaviour, doesn't want to talk anymore, is becoming moody over, over a long period of time? Going back to the last sermon that the pastor preached, the American pastor preached before he committed suicide, he was, uh, when I read his last sermon, really cut me to, to the heart because he talked about that. He was in uh, South Africa and he was there four months as a sabbatical. And there was, there was a moment where the person, there was a person that needed to lay uh, wood on his uh, living room. And the person called him and said that, hey, sorry, uh, because the material couldn't come in time, we're not able to lay the wood uh, over this weekend. And it was just that, as simple as that. And he went into a panic attack. He was so panicky until he lay down on the bathroom for two hours straight. And he couldn't stand up, he couldn't move. And the wife was begging him to go to the hospital and he said that he was okay. He said that he doesn't need to go to the hospital. And he was all panicky and, and, and everything started to crumble and he started to hear voices and... and, and and he thought that he recovered. He was sharing this as an episode of how mental health has, uh, has caused him to have anxiety and all that. But I'm just thinking about all these things that I don't understand. And, the, and, and all this panic attack is so real in our world right now. And all the more that we should talk about it. And all the more that I don't want to judge. And all the more that I want to have apathy. All the more I want to support them. Because all these things that they are feeling is so real. So really, when, when I was talking about the last, last thing that he was experiencing before he committed suicide, the wife was begging him to go to the hospital, but he was thinking that it was okay. Until the wife couldn't help it, he, she had to call two of her, his close friends and call him uh, twice. And then he was then persuaded to follow the wife to go to the hospital. You see, the people that are suffering from mental health, most often than not, don't understand that they are suffering from mental health. And we as friends and family, it becomes so important for us to understand the symptoms and then bring them for help. And, and, and why do we want to do that? Think about why Jesus wanted to go to the well to meet the, the lady that is in the middle of uh, drawing water in meet hot day sun. Ah, now we understand what has been hot day sun, right? You just go out now, you, you will understand what has been hot day sun. But in Israel, that's maybe times two. Like I read, uh, now in India, the, the temperature is close to 50 degrees. How to be 50 degrees? Basically, you can cook an egg already, you know. Like this is the, the, the woman that is going to draw water in the mid-hot day sun. I don't know, maybe he, she bring water back to the house, huh? the water dry up already. But she was suffering from shame and most probably mental health. But Jesus still reached out to her and still gave her the keys to the heavens and, 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 and taught her how to be saved. And that taught me that, you know, if Jesus was so, sympath uh, so apathetic to the people that are around that her, him, how much more? So there's a biblical reason of why we want to reach out to people. But, but also there is a historical reason. I think I was researching on that and I... I I, I, got, uh, a uh, I got a new knowledge, actually. Why do I say that? It's because uh, I didn't know that hospital was actually invented by the church. Hospital. 
The hospital was not invented by healthcare agencies, was not invented by the governments, was not invented by NGOs. It was actually invented by the church because the church has a 2,000 years history of caring for the sick. So it's not by accident that the first hospital in almost every country in the world was started by Christian missionaries because we have a mission of not just preaching, teaching, but also healing. And last but not least, about practical reasons, which I talk about it so many times. That if one in four Singaporeans are suffering from mental health, then all the more that when they come to church, I want to be ready to reach out to them. So really, when they are in conflict, they don't call a lawyer first. They don't call sometimes even a doctor first. They call a pastor, they call a friend in need. And I think I want to be ready to support them. I want to have that moment of apathy to help them. And we need to be ready. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 talks about, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So really, how do we begin? How do we help them in the first place? And this is really the last part already. <laughs> because I think at the end of the day, we understand that mental health is an issue that sometimes we don't understand. And the first thing that we do is to really have apathy with them. And how do we have apathy with them? Going back to this point number one, the church must remove the stigma. Everybody say, must remove the stigma. We need to reduce the fear surrounding mental illnesses. We need to see and we need to welcome people to church that are suffering from mental illnesses. It starts with apathy and really realizing that everybody here, whether you are young, you are old, you are big or small, we are all broken in the eyes of God. My body doesn't work perfect. My mind doesn't work perfect so are those that are in the church. So, we need to remove the stigma that it's not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to have mental illnesses. It's okay to take medication. It's okay to see a Christian counsellor. It's okay to see a psychiatrist. It is normal for somebody to see a doctor for diabetes. And I think it is also then okay for uh, somebody to, to have medication when they are mentally ill. Let's all be promising ourselves that if a parent one day decides to bring a child to go and see a behavioural psychiatrist, maybe for ADHD or behavioural problem, parents, let's not judge. Let's say that, hey, it's actually a better thing so that we can help the children to learn better. And maybe in kids' church and tiny dogs, we need to start to also equip our teachers to how, how to deal with children that are suffering from behavioural issues. They are not, quote-unquote per se, fitting into the mold of the church. In this last day, I really believe that the church is going to be more and more diverse. And more and more diverse doesn't mean that we need to change our doctrine. It just needs to mean that we are more and more tolerant of each other and our love tank has to be higher because all the more the different people come in, all the more we need to love them the same. So it's okay for a parent to bring a child to see a doctor for behavioural issues. It is just like how I bring Matthew and Judith or Elias to see a doctor when they're having flu or they're having cough. It is okay for a child to be diagnosed with ADHD because that's how we can help the child to learn better. Maybe for us, it is about changing our curriculum. And I'm speaking to myself also. Changing the curriculum to suit somebody who is having mental illnesses. I read there was one uh, church in America that talks about that. They have a special corner for people that have uh, mental illnesses. And some of the times, the, mental, uh, the people will be like shouting, Hey, what is he saying? What is the pastor saying? And the whole congregation is like, Oh, that's normal. And have we come to a place where we are saying that that's normalised. Have we come to a place that, you know, we are showing that amount of apathy to people that are different? And as leaders, I think we also need to admit to be the first to say that we are not perfect. That some of us are sad, some of us are worried. You know, the 21st century leadership 
It's not difficult. A lot of the myths say that, hey, nowadays uh, being a leader is super difficult. It is not difficult. It is just different. We don't have to put inside our mind that being a leader is difficult. It is different and it's not going to be the same as before. But a leader in the 21st century also means that we need to not project a perfect image. Why so? It's because I realized from behavioral studies that when we try to be perfect, chances are our followers will also see that, hey, my, my leader is perfect and therefore I need to be perfect. And everybody is striving to be perfect and everybody becomes such a, I don't know, there's no transparency. There's no authenticity. Perhaps for one part of our consideration is that leaders need to first say that what are they struggling with for the followers to say, hey, I'm also struggling with this. I think Jesus did that a lot of times. He wept, he cried, he was weak. He said that he wants to withdraw, he wants to pray. He was perfect as a human and he showed us how to lead as a leader. We need to create an environment for people to be vulnerable. And also point number two, we need to be equipped and we need to be educated. Like why I say the children's worker, the leaders, the volunteers, the church leaders, the pastors, the staff, we all need to be equipped on how to care for those that are affected, how to care for those that are struggling with mental illnesses. Studies have shown that people go to church before they go to anywhere else. So we are the frontline workers, really. It is not the lawyers, it is not the, the doctors, they are the frontline workers. It is us, they are the frontline workers. I want to share with you a story that there was a couple that was uh, in a church. And when the couple was actually in the church, uh, suddenly one of the, the wife actually started to go on a shopping spree. When I, when I say shopping spree, it's not like she went to buy a Prada bag or went to buy an LV bag or whatever. She went to buy things such as uh, like a brand new car. She went to buy like a boat out of a sudden. And she will come back and she will tell her husband, hey, I bought this, I bought this. And the husband was so uh, perplexed. It was like, why, why are you spending such a huge amount of money suddenly? And, and, and he was so uh, distraught. He went to the pastor and he said, I, I cannot take this anymore. My wife and I are just quarreling every day. And she's saying like, you know, she buy all these things and she says it's okay to have a little debt. And I'm here trying to struggle, not trying to make sure that we are bankrupt. And, and my kids are all, all suffering because of that. And you know what the pastor did? The pastor, after a few moments, said that, you know, this is just a typical example of poor financial stewardship. Both of you, I think you all should be enrolled to a, a financial stewardship course. Go to Dave Ramsey. And that's what they did. For two whole months, this couple went to a financial course thinking that maybe the financial cost will help them to budget properly, that the, that the wife will not buy a boat next time or will not buy a car next time or will not buy a house next time. And two months later, lo and behold, the wife was admitted to the hospital for bipolar disorder. Why am I sharing with you this? Is that what I say is true, that the frontline workers are us, the, the, the social workers, the, the people that are in the church. And we are here to support. Part of me thinks that what if the pastor goes back? I'm not, I'm not here to point fingers, yeah? But I'm thinking, what if the pastor is equipped? And what if the pastor knows to ask this question? What was it before? Was she somebody that was frugal? What was her behavior before? If he would have been able to ask this question, chances are there will be adequate intervention that has been given to the wife. But he didn't ask. And he thought that it is just a poor case of financial planning. You see, his advice, the pastor's advice, 99.9% of all cases, it will work. But the 0.01%, it is where people fall through the crack. And I don't want that. I don't want that to happen to our church. I don't want that to happen to my life. I want to support everybody that comes across my life. That if they have a financial, if they have a medical or, or, or mental problem, I want to support them. There's another story that I hear on the podcast. And it talks about there was a guy 
that uh, came to church one day on a midweek Bible study. And one of the speakers was, of course, sharing, and then he was opening up the altar, and he said, okay, it's time for us to uh, open up the altar, and y'all can come forward, and whoever that needs prayer will be here to pray for you. And then there was one guy that came up, and then he turned around and faced the congregation and said, hello, guys, I've come back. Uh, I, I have now returned. And then, uh, you know, he gently asked the person to sit down, and he said, uh, if that's okay, I'll come back and attend to you shortly. Uh, and then he was telling the, the speaker and he said that, oh, actually I'm Jesus Christ. I come back already. That's why I want to tell people to, to, uh, that I've come back and then they can acknowledge me. So he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, pick up a big fast and he asked the person to continue to sit down and then he was uh, praying for the people and then the whole service was, was dismissed. And then after that, he reached out to the person and he was uh, talking to him. And after talking to him, he sent the person to the hospital. And that was where he was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder and he wasn't taking his medication. That's why he went to church and then said that, uh, you know, he's Jesus Christ, he come back already. And uh, I want everybody to acknowledge him. I think that's a typical example of somebody recognizing that it's a mental issue rather than a spiritual issue. Because a lot of times if somebody do that, right? I think we will go, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. There is a spiritual problem. The devil is possessing the person. That's why he said that he is Jesus Christ. He's come back again. He's a false prophet. Right? I mean, I will do that. And sometimes we create this atmosphere that every, everything is spiritual. And maybe that person is just suffering from mental illnesses. And we don't recognize that. And maybe what he needs is just medication. What he needs is just emotional support. Like what I said from, from the start. Maybe prayer is not the only solution. Like what I said, the good thing is that the preacher recognized that this is not a spiritual issue, but a mental issue. And he also rightly seek medical help for the people, uh, for the men as well. And that taught me that, you know, the programs of the church, it is important, but at the same time, when we face disruption in our services, let's not be so quick to say that it's the devil's work. Is it okay if I say that? Because in reality, if an if a individual that is distressed coming into the church, you know, I always ask myself, what will Jesus do? Will Jesus throw the person out? <laughs> Probably not. There were so many times in Jesus' services, uh, people in distress interrupted him. There was uh, people that came from the, from the roof coming down to pray for him. Uh, for 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 ask him to for uh, to to ask him for prayer. There was people that when he was travelling from one place to another, the other person uh, called him, "Hey, my daughter is sick. Can you come?" There are so many interruptions in his services to a point where he didn't care. Why? Because it is not the programs that drive him. It is the person, it is the people, it is the apathy that drove him. He was not concerned about the programs. He was concerned about the people. And if one day a person in distress comes to our services, you know what I want to do? Maybe sometimes we need to scrap the programs because the only person or the only people that we need to focus on is the people that are in distress. It's the people that come to church for need. Instead of saying, you don't belong here, can we say that you belong here? We are all in the presence of God. However much or however way you want to worship, this place is you and God meeting together. This is not a rebuke, but this is for me to really evaluate myself. Have I been following the, the, the so-called, quote-unquote, the programs of the church until I don't realize that maybe sometimes a kid cries out, it is okay. It is okay because they are in the presence of God. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I've seen is, is how my kids in kids' church have learned how to worship. I didn't tell them that. Maybe God did. But it was also true many times when they scream, scream and shout and we keep them in the service and we say they, they are here to learn how to worship to God. And that's how they learn. There's always going to be disruption. But Jesus loves the people. Jesus reached out to anybody that is in distress. Not you need to be quiet because we have a ceremony that is going on. But you need to be here 
because this is where the presence of God is. We need to realize that Jesus' focus is always on a person and not a structure. And we need to recognize that mental illnesses is a chronic condition and some of this condition requires treatment over a long period of time. And like what I say, we need a more holistic approach. There are other aspects that needs to be taken care of, not just medication. There are physical aspects, whether the person has an overall good health, whether the person has a good diet, good exercise, whether the person is getting enough sleep, whether the person is managing stress. Then we deal with the emotions. And there are healthy ways to deal with emotions. One of the best ways that I do is really to cast my cares onto God. And whether the person that is suffering from mental health is casting their cares to God. You see, we cannot control every thought that comes to our mind, but we can control what we do with it. Like what I, I think I preached about a couple of months before. And then there are also relational and social aspects that involves our family in, uh, interaction, that involves the problems that are around us, not just the individual. And then we have to know how to have that, this safety net of support and to help to integrate people into our lives again, to fill their lives with the love and the grace of not just God, but the people that are around them. That includes us. And then, of course, the spiritual aspect of allowing God and the power of faith and building spiritual habits, resisting the devil. So all I'm saying is that mental health has no single answer. Really. And anybody that comes to you and say, all you need is one thing, all you need is just pray. That's just one part of it. That's not all. And if somebody comes to you, all you need is just to read the Bible. The person is correct, but it's just one part of it, not all. All you need is medication. All you need to, is to eat this pill. That's just one part of it. There is not all. Mental health needs a holistic approach. And today, that's my revelation to you. I need to learn this. That it is not just faith and it is not just pray through for somebody that is suffering from depression. It is a whole entire support system. It is me recognizing that my wife is moody. What can I do? Is it that she needs to spend time with her, fam with her family, with her friends that are outside? Is it that she needs to have somebody to talk to? Sometimes I think we need to free people from ourselves. And we're going to have a support group. I'm not going to steal the thunder from pastor, but he is going to uh, tell you all that there are some uh, support groups that he is going to start really soon. Okay? I know it's a heavy topic today, but I hope that you have learned something when I talk about mental health awareness. Amen? Uh, the last point I want to talk about is that the church must support people living with mental illnesses. And it goes back to the point of having apathy. I want to learn how to care about your pain. And I want to learn for those that are suffering from mental illnesses, that when you say that you are throwing up your hands and you don't know where to turn to, I don't want to be so quick to dismiss and say that you are just having another bout of sadness. And you may be suffering from mental illnesses, but today, I want to let you know that mental illnesses does not define you. Like what I say, Elijah suffered from it. King David suffered from it. If you today suffer from it, it doesn't make you lesser than a devout follower of Christ. It doesn't make you lesser than being a friend of Bong. It doesn't make you lesser than being a congregation of Tabernacle of Joy. It doesn't make you lesser than being a Christian. You are still a love. You are still well loved. You are still the son and the daughter of God. It doesn't define you. Your identity is in Christ, not what you think you are. And point number two is that God has a purpose and a plan for you. And God's plan and purpose is always, everybody say always, greater than the pain that you are going through. 
There are times where I don't understand why the things that are going through in your life. Why did God allow it? Why do you have to go through a moment of anguish, of sadness? But let me tell you this. God doesn't waste a trial. God wants to use you and He wants to take you to the other side. And perhaps also, when we look at hindsight, to give you a ministry to help others who are going through and are going through the same problem as now. I love to read stories of success. I love to study history. I study history like the Six-Day War. I study history of how Singapore comes to where he is, some of the policies that Lee Kuan Yew has done in the past. But I'm telling you, the greatest story in history are the comeback stories. I just recently saw a story of how Lee Kuan Yew cried when he was needed to when Singapore needed to separate it from Malaysia. But I think you and I agree as Singaporeans that was the best decision and that was the best circumstances that happened during that time. I'm not into politics, but I'm saying that the greatest stories are comeback stories. And you cannot have a comeback story without first having a setback. And therefore, I don't understand why you need to go through the things that you're going through, but I know that God is still in control. And God is going through something in your life and you're going to come back stronger with the support of those that love you and are around you. Why don't we stand? Today, I think we need to make a promise, not just to God, but to ourselves. You know, I want to show more apathy. You know, I have, uh, I have friends that came to me and say that, you know, I was suffering from panic attack in the past, anxiety. And honestly to me, I brushed it off. I thought that, oh, it's normal. Everybody has anxiety. Everybody has panic. But I didn't realize how much this person has to go through until today when I studied this emotional, mental health issues that people are going through. That they could have a panic attack so hard that they can drop onto the floor and not move and do things that are irrational. And if you're going through a moment of mental health right now, I'm telling you this is not the end of your life. This is a season of your life. I want to be there to help you. I want to be there to see who is having the symptoms of mental health issues and want to be there to help them. And I know that you want to be there to help them as well. Maybe in your circle of friends, you see and you are starting to understand why is he or she behaving that way in the past? And suddenly, I don't know, inside of you started to boil up and you say that you want to pray for this person right now. If there is a desire inside of you and there is somebody that you are praying for, if there's somebody that you want to reach out for and if somebody is, is, is there somebody that you kind of brush off in the past like me, can we just really commit this person to God's hands right now and begin to say, God, you see this person, you see this person of what they're going through. God, in the name of Jesus, why don't we pray right now, Jesus?